It is Tuesday, August 20th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. With me, as always, is Jared Smola. We've got lots to talk about on today's show, from a high-value player return to some key injury situations. we got preseason Week 2 performances and playing time worth paying attention to, and a few backfields that just might be in flux. Make sure you check in with DraftSharks.com regularly at this point, whether you're an insider or not, to keep up to date on all the relevant news and shark bites and to see where all the action and the happenings are moving players in our living preseason rankings. You know, we work on the projections, but they are constantly updating at this point based on what's going on, what we see, who gets hurt. Those are going to power your MVP board. And that MVP board, of course, can help you in drafts such as the FFPC. Time is running out to jump in for the main event and to take your shot at a $500,000 grand prize. So get to myffpc.com, register your team. Jared and I actually jumped into yet another best ball FFPC draft just yesterday. Came away with what I think is a pretty solid roster, Jared. That's probably the the most fun roster I've drafted so far this you know all, all off season. Um, probably the most volatile. Like that that team could come in first. It could easily come in last as well. And I'm working on a draft recap that'll be up on the site later today on Tuesday. So I won't give too much away here. But you know we took Damian Williams in the late third. I think the first time I've drafted him all off season. Then we took Melvin Gordon in the fourth. Uh, we took Josh Gordon in the ninth. So again, you know it's it's a boomer bust roster. Yes, but there is a lot more boom potential to Josh Gordon in the ninth round than there is bust, I think. I was surprised to see Melvin Gordon make it into the fourth, and I was also surprised to see Tyler Lockett go to somebody else yeah. at pick 302, I believe. Yep, uh, third round for Lockett. Uh, we saw on Johnson jump into the second round. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to note some of the ADP movers and stuff. But yeah, there were quite a few surprising picks. Yeah, and we will be talking about some of those players here in a minute. Let's start with Josh Gordon, because since last time we spoke, Josh Gordon returned. Friday evening, of course, was when the NFL decided to make that decision and announce it. Josh Gordon's back with the Patriots. Not going to play with them yet, but by all accounts, he's allowed to play once the regular season arrives. And that's huge for an offense that, as we all know, lost Rob Gronkowski, doesn't have a whole lot of proven targetability behind Julian Edelman. James White. Josh Gordon joined the Patriots last year. I know I was hesitant with him when he first joined the team. The Patriots themselves talk about how complicated an offense it is to learn. And yet Mm -hmm. Josh Gordon jumped right in from week four through week 15. He was a top 28 receiver across fantasy formats. Yep. He was busy. He got nice volume. He was efficient. Uh, He was actually 11th in yards per target last year among 56 wide receivers with 50 plus targets over that, you know, span from week four to 15. Um, The exciting thing for me is what Gordon did in the three games he played last season without Rob Gronkowski, Um, 28 targets in those three games for Gordon, his uh, receiving lines in those games, four catches for a hundred yards, five catches for 130 in a score, four catches for 81 yards. So I think there's undoubtedly top 20 upside here, uh, but there's obviously risk. I mean, the guy, we, we know about the off-field issues. He's never played a full 16-game season. So I think where he goes in drafts is going to vary wildly from, from draft to draft, like we mentioned. Ninth round, we took him. I would gladly roll the dice on him there. I think you're going to see some drafts, though, where you know someone gets excited and takes him in the fourth or fifth round. 
Yeah, and I mean, round four or five is probably a little early. Round six, I can see. Round seven is probably where I will start strongly considering Josh Gordon. I mean, he's one of the most volatile, maybe the most volatile prospects in all of fantasy because of the off-field stuff primarily. I mean, he can disappear at any point, as we've seen multiple times now. But the other side of that is, we might not really have seen his true ceiling yet because even in that that one Cleveland season that really is is driving most of what keeps us all interested in Josh Gordon year after year, he was young. He was playing with Jason Campbell and Brandon Whedon as his quarterbacks. Now he's got a full season of Tom Brady. You know, it would have been nice for him to have the offseason to work with him, but he didn't have the offseason last year and it didn't really hold him back. And this season versus last season, Gronkowski's not there. Chris Hogan, even though Chris Hogan had a disappointing season last year, is not there. So there's even more target availability. Josh Gordon ranked 30th among all wide receivers and targets during the time where he played for the Patriots. There is room for both him and Julian Edelman to produce. And there's room for Josh for Josh Gordon to put up huge efficiency numbers yeah. on the targets and catches he does get. Yeah, 10.6 yards per target for Gordon last year. That's a huge number. It'll probably come down a bit, but I still think he should be more efficient you know, th- than average considering his talent, the fact that he's playing with Tom Brady. Um, Yeah, so so for me, just looking at the rankings, like once guys like Alshon Jeffrey and Allen Robinson come off the board, and that, that tends to be in the sixth or seventh round, you know, I consider those guys a bit safer than someone like Josh Gordon. But, you know, once those guys are off the board and you get into sort of that boomer bust wide receiver territory, for me, Gordon's sort of at the top of that list at this point. I think Gordon's right in the same category with with Jeffrey and Allen Robinson, especially Jeffrey, who has proved volatile even as Philadelphia's clear number one receiver over the past two years. So, I mean, I I certainly won't fault anybody for taking Alshon Jeffrey over Josh Gordon, but I think that they're very similar prospects heading into the season. But minus the off field thing for Gordon, of course, which which pushes right. him down a bit. This not only not only value for Gordon here, but it also helps Tom Brady's outlook. Are you treating him any differently? Yeah, we moved him up a bit. I mean, it's tough to get him too high just because, as we've talked about, there are so many quarterbacks. Um, But Brady was quarterback 12 in fantasy points in his 11 games with Josh Gordon. He was quite a bit more productive with Gordon than without him. So to me, it just adds another name to the list of guys who, you know, even if Brady ends up as my quarterback one, if I can get him in the, you know, 13th, 14th round, I'm definitely comfortable with that. I'm, I'm more comfortable with him now that he has Gordon back. Yeah, I would say not a significant move up, but whereas before I was like, ah, it's Tom Brady, maybe I should be considering him a little higher. Now it's like, okay, yeah, I'll take Tom Brady here because now I can I can see a clearer path to who he's throwing the ball to for successful completions. Yep. And then Julian Edelman was successful with Josh Gordon around as a top 17 fantasy receiver across formats last year when, when Gordon was on the field. Yeah, you know, we we uh, updated our Patriots projections after the Gordon news, and I ended up taking away like five targets from Julian Edelman, but it did not move him in the rankings at all. I, th- I think it's a wash, maybe even helps just to have someone like Gordon on the field pulling some defensive attention away. So so I think Edelman's still a really solid like wide receiver two pick, and he's been going in the fourth round. I've definitely been interested in him at that price tag. Yeah, so I don't think uh, Gordon really moves the needle on Edelman at all. I think it what it does is make us not have to – write the story for Nikhil Harry having a truly impactful rookie season. For me, Nikhil Harry is like a, a late round flyer at this point. Yeah, and same thing for Jacoby Myers, who, you know, has been impressive in August, but you know, he's he's gonna be battling Harry, I think, for that wide receiver three spot. And then you have Philip Dorsett in the mix too. So yeah, Gordon's return makes it pretty easy to just ignore any uh Patriots wide receiver beyond Gordon and Edelman. Right. Now for me, Jacoby Myers, Philip Dorsett, Maurice Harris 
Whereas previously I was like, all right, I, I, I want one of these guys in round 17 because somebody's going to catch balls. Now it's like, nah, maybe none of those guys is going to catch balls. I don't really care if I take them or not. Right, exactly. All right, on to a different situation where Derrick Henry also returned to the field since Josh Gordon did. Derrick Henry returned to practice this week. He has been out, of course, since the beginning of training camp with a calf injury. Obviously, that's pretty big for an offense that had its coordinator, its brand new coordinator, indicating that they were going to lean heavily on Derrick Henry coming into this season. Yeah, hoping we get to see him uh, alongside Deion Lewis in the third preseason game just to you know, maybe get a look at how they're going to use those guys. Henry, to me, has still been going a bit earlier than I would draft him in PPR leagues um, just because you know, I, I still expect Deion Lewis to handle most of the pass catching work there. But again, we'll hopefully you know get a look at that in the third preseason game. I agree. I, I was expecting a little bit more of a fall for Derrick Henry with how long the calf kept him out, but not so. So he had, really hasn't been on many of my teams at this point. Darius Geis, we've not seen in preseason action so far, but there is a tentative plan for him to play Thursday against Atlanta. So I think the fact that there is a plan at all is a good sign for his knee. We'll see what that means for Thursday night. Right, especially after we had heard uh, last week that guy still hadn't been cleared for you know full game action yet. So yeah, it sounds like he, he might have cleared that hurdle now. So yeah, another backfield that'll be interesting to see how touches and snaps are divided between Geis, Peterson, and then Chris Thompson too. I would bet on limited exposure for Geis here, and they maybe just want to get him like a series, get him a couple carries so that he gets hit by somebody that's not his teammate before the regular season. So I won't read too much into it. I guess if he plays at all, it's a good sign. Yep. And to me, still a guy who's definitely a question mark for this season as far as, you know, what his form is coming off the the knee injury and then, you know, how much work he's going to get. But he's going late enough where I'm still interested, you know, if you can get Geis in the ninth or 10th round. Yeah. And I mean, if he does get into the regular season and looks anything like the guy from college, then certainly has big upside based on where you're drafting him. Elsewhere in that Washington offense, Ian Rappaport says that we should expect Case Keenum to be the week one starter for Washington. And that really kind of goes along with the other rumors we've been hearing from that situation lately. Yeah, not a major surprise. I would still expect Dwayne Haskins to even, you know, start more games than Case Keenum this season. But it, it's obviously a situation pretty easy to stay away from in redraft leagues. Yeah, I mean, and it's not even, the, I don't even think it's that big a deal. I mean, Deshaun Watson didn't start week one, came in halfway through that game, but didn't open the, his rookie season as Houston starter. Of course, we know Baker Mayfield didn't open last season as the starter. So I wouldn't yeah. consider it a huge setback for Dwayne Haskins, if anything, Maybe it points to Washington caring about winning and not trying to force its young quarterback into the lineup too early. Yeah, and I think I mentioned it before, but I do think Case Keenum, you know, for as long as he's in there, I think it's good news for Trey Quinn in the slot. I think it's good news for Jordan Reed, you know, sort of working those shorter middle of the of the field routes. And then, you know, probably bad news for guys like Terry McLaurin and Paul Richardson, if you were considering them, I think they might pop more when Haskins is in there. Speaking of middle of the field guys, I know Josh Hermsmeyer has done some work showing that middle of the field tends to be the most efficient place to work in the passing game. So another good thing for Trey Quinn and Jordan Reed. Trey Quinn, late round. I mean, I've, I've, I haven't talked yeah. about him that much, but Every time it gets to like round 16 and he's still there, I'm like, all right, I got to take more Trey Quinn because it, it could happen. Yeah, I'm surprised he hasn't climbed in ADP. There's, there's been you know plenty of buzz on him really starting in the spring. Mm-hmm. Antonio Brown, speaking of buzz, mostly negative, returned to the team, filed a new grievance with the league. He is pissed that he can't wear his favorite helmet. A lot of things to say about AB. I'm sort of sick of talking about him. I mean... Um, he, 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 by the way, went middle of the third round in that FFPC draft we did. If he had made it to us in the late third, we were at 310. 
he would have been on my radar, but I can't say for sure I would have even felt comfortable taking him there. Yeah, I mean, you can't get excited about him at this point. You kind of have to say, all right, uh, it's Antonio Brown. As long as he's playing football, he's probably going to be pretty good. But, you know, playing football is not a lock at this point. It's it's a tiresome situation. Yeah, I'm, I'm just worried what's going to happen the first you know game. He only sees four targets. So the first game, he catches two balls for, for 25 yards. What that's going to look like. Yeah, really. Tyro Williams all the way. Yep. DK Metcalf needs knee surgery. It was downplayed immediately. It said it, Pete Carroll saying they expected him back soon. But when you are a rookie, you have not actually cracked the starting lineup yet. And now you need knee surgery right on the doorstep of the season. I mean, that's yeah. only bad news. Fire up John Brown, baby. I think he's, he's going to be in there week one. There you go. They had him <laughs> sitting out in the first preseason game to get him ready for just this scenario because he's too important to risk in those fake games. Seriously, though, I think I think uh, David Moore should be on your radar yep. late in drafts. I mean, I think, I think it's possible he's a fantasy option for the first few weeks of the season if it takes Metcalf a while to get going. And I haven't looked at the DFS prices, but... If Jerron Brown is down, I'm sure Jerron Brown's going to be down in the 3,000s on DraftKings. I mean, he's a, a viable option. They get the Bengals week one, I believe, at home. Yep. Elsewhere in wide receiver news, Marquise Lee has been activated from the pup finally. The question at this point, how long will it take him to get into football shape? And can he crack the top three at any point? It's been D.D. Westbrook, DJ Chark. Chris Conley. D.D. Westbrook would still be my top choice there. I really, I don't remember the last time I drafted a Jaguars wide receiver, though. I've been taking some Chark and Conley super late. Chark's been, by some accounts, the best wide receiver in camp. I had just read the ESPN article with the MVP of training camp for all 32 teams, and I think it's uh, Michael DeRocco said D.J. Chark was the MVP of Jags camp. So, I mean, for Marquis Lee, it's not, it's obviously not a loaded trio of wide receivers to, to you know, pass to get back into that starting lineup, but I think he has a lot to prove, obviously, after missing over a year with that knee injury. Yeah, I think where Marquise Lee can be intriguing is like 14 or 16 team leagues where you're trying to take somebody late that's relevant. He's never going to be a, a big play or huge upside guy, but he could return to the level where he's like somebody you can count on for three to four catches a week. So yeah, yep. a decent late stash. Yeah, decent. To me, there's just too many other wide receivers I'd rather take to you know be drafting Marquise Lee right now. I agree with that. And frankly, if you don't want to choose a Jaguars receiver, maybe you take Nick Foles late because as we mentioned a while back, yeah. maybe we'll see a lot more passing from the Jaguars than we have. And maybe it's just Nick Foles who benefits from this. And nobody really emerges as a, a viable fantasy receiver. And Foles opens the season at home for the Chiefs. I mentioned in that uh, quarterback strategy guy that, I, that we posted on uh, Monday that, you know, if you get super, super late in your draft and you still don't have a quarterback, I think Foles can be someone who you draft and just use week one in that matchup against the Chiefs, you know, in, in what should be a pretty high scoring game. Another sneaky DFS option there as well. Yep, for sure. All right. Well, we'll keep updating all the pertinent news on Shark Bites on DraftSharks.com. Even if you're not an insider, make sure you head over there, check them out and download the app. We've, we've redone it this year, so it's fresh. And it's working great. Get your app. You will get Shark Bites directly to you. You can check them on the go. Now let's move on to reactions from week two of the preseason. And if you haven't checked it out already, Jared's got his week two notes up on the website. That's another free read. You can see some of the things that happen. And really, a lot of it focuses more on usage than specific performance Mm -hmm. because usage is the thing that the team controls. And it helps us to see how the roles are developing as we head into the season. Let's start here, Jared, with the backfields and Seattle in particular. Chris Carson sat out the first preseason game, came back for the second one, 
and he was on the field most of the time that Russell Wilson was. Yeah, Carson played 13 of 17 snaps with Wilson. Uh, Rashad Penny took the other four. So, you know, sure seems like we're, you know, basically where we were last year, where Carson's a clear lead guy here. Carson looks good, too, by the way. You know, he had that knee surgery that had him sidelined a bit early in August, but you know, he, he looks ready to go. So I, I'm still all in on Chris Carson. It does seem like his ADP is climbing a bit. Like he went in the uh, late third round of the FFPC draft we just went. You know, it's probably a half round earlier than he had been going. But even at that price, I, I definitely think, you know, he can return value. Yeah, I mentioned previously that right around the start of training camp, I was leaning away from Carson because of the knee, because we didn't know the condition and because there were there was positive buzz on Rashad Penny. But at this point, I'm fully on board with Carson as well. Still interested in Penny, but Carson's the guy that you want to get here. If you're looking for somebody that you can actually trust in your fantasy lineup, which I think as we get into more lineup setting is really what we're looking for from these early round running backs. Yep. Indianapolis, speaking of early round running backs, Marlon Mack also took almost all of the running back snaps with current starter Jacoby Brissett. Yeah, this Marlon Mack um, outing was maybe the, the my biggest takeaway from the second week of preseason. And we obviously will watch in the third week um, to see if it continues. But Mack played 16 snaps with the starting offense to just two for Naheem Hines. And Mack was on the field for all three of the Colts third downs on those first, uh, I think it was three possessions and he was on the field for the one fourth down. So, you know, we, we've sort of been, been expecting Mac to just be a, a two down guy with Hines playing in passing situations. If he's going to be on the field for, you know, most or all of these third downs, he, he's definitely going to have to climb our rankings um, in the next few weeks here. Again, we'll, we'll see what happens in the third preseason game. Yeah. I'm still comfy with not being huge on Mac versus the other guys going in the same range where he's going, mm-hmm. but this is honestly exactly why I have not been on Naheem Hines. So, you know, normally I think if you're low on the first running back, you might be a little higher on the second one. But after Naheem Hines had a, a strong start to last year with usage, it really fell way off. And then at the end of the season, including the playoff games, he was barely touching the ball at all. So I like Naheem Hines, the player. I think there is upside to him, but there really doesn't seem to be any indication that his role is going to grow at all as long as Marlon Mack is healthy and on the field. Yeah, Hines was pretty much useless for fantasy in the games Marlon Mack played last year. I think in those 12 games, Hines was outside the top 50 running backs in PPR points. So you know, if, if his role is going to even shrink from there, he's he's you know basically just a handcuff to Mack at this point. Yeah, another running back in that round three range, on Johnson, was pulled on all three of the third downs in the last preseason game. Two of them went to C.J. Anderson, one went to Ty Johnson. And shortly thereafter, I had one of our subscribers email me to ask if it's time to worry about on Johnson's workload. What do you think? I'm a little worried. I'm not going to lie. I I, I want to see Johnson playing some third downs in this third preseason game. We haven't moved him in the rankings yet. I think we'll probably have to if we see this again in the third preseason game. I, I on Johnson should be on the field for, thir- for third downs here. I mean, CJ Anderson is not a good pass catching running back. He's, he hasn't topped 34 catches in any of his six NFL seasons. Anderson is a good pass blocking running back, but Kerryon Johnson fared well there too. Um, you know, he, he's obviously the more dynamic player at this point. And then Ty Johnson, you know, just 29 catches across his four seasons at Maryland. So he's not proven in the passing game either. So man, it, it should be Kerryon Johnson, but you know, we'll, we'll have to see if the Lions coaches agree with us. Yeah. I'm not buying Ty Johnson as a factor here. CJ Anderson has been a fair receiver in his career. His average depth of target has been a little bit longer than what Kerryon Johnson's was last year. You know, it's a small sample and a different offensive coaching staff that we're working on with Kerryon Johnson. So we'll see how that develops. 
But I think it's a bit of an overreaction to to worry about Carryon Johnson's workload here. I have a hard time imagining this team going into the, and through the season with Carryon Johnson as the you know early down pound it running back, and then C.J. Anderson as the change of pace guy. I think it'll be a little bit more of they are interchangeable in terms of the things they can do. And I still think that Carryon Johnson's going to get the ball a lot more than C.J. Anderson. So my reaction here is to not worry about it. We'll mm-hmm. see if if the third preseason game looks the same. And I wouldn't even be surprised if it's one of those things that starts the season with them still kind of trying to figure out roles and maybe misplaying it a little bit and then carry on Johnson grabbing more as the season wears on. Yeah, I hope so. Like I said, we haven't changed projections yet, but definitely something I'm going to be monitoring uh, in this third preseason game. Mm-hmm. Ravens backfield. Mark Ingram played six of the nine snaps on his lone series. That was, of course, during Lamar Jackson's time in the game. The other th- three went to Kenneth Dixon, and Kenneth Dixon's been a player that I've been trying to figure out what to do with because I've always liked him. I don't know exactly how he fits on the depth chart. I don't know what to do with him versus Gus Edwards. Dixon stayed in, opened the second drive that was also with Lamar Jackson. Gus Edwards worked in with him there. So, you know, I'm thinking, okay, it's Kenneth Dixon, then it's Gus Edwards. But then Kenneth Dixon was still on the field when Trace McSorley came in. There didn't seem to be any more Gus Edwards at that point. Uh, Edwards and Dixon both played 12 snaps. Dixon touched the ball more than twice as much. Six carries, one target to just two carries for Gus Edwards, had a third negated by penalty. So I don't know. What, what's your takeaway on these two? Most of the stuff I've read from the Ravens you know, beat reporters is that Kenneth Dixon's likely the odd man out. I mean, Mark Ingram and then the rookie Justice Hill are locked. So it's basically Dixon and Gus Edwards for one roster spot. I'm not interested in drafting either at this point. I still do like Dixon as a player and you know would be intrigued if he gets cut and you know lands somewhere like Tampa Bay. I think that'd be, that'd be really intriguing. But yeah, I don't. I don't think he has much of a future in Baltimore. I think. I think Justice Hill, even though he's been sort of buried and working with the second and third team so far, I think he is the guy that you know is probably going to finish second in this backfield and touches behind Mark Ingram. Yeah, I mean, the numbers initially made me wonder if maybe I should pay a little bit more attention to Kenneth Dixon. This though could also be the kind of situation where they're giving Kenneth Dixon more touches because. They're really trying to figure yep. out whether it's worth keeping him around, and they know what they have more than the other guy. Yep, that, that, that'd be my uh, takeaway from this. So I'm not going to adjust him. Maybe if I'm in the 19th round of a draft and he's still there and I don't need anything else, maybe I'll stash him just in case because I, I do still like Kenneth Dixon. I'm curious to see if he can turn it around. Yeah, and then um, Justice Hill has looked really good. Every draft I do, it seems like there's someone who loves Justice Hill, and he goes in like the 10th round. Um, which is just too early for me. I mean, I'm, I'm a big Mark Ingram fan. I think as long as Ingram's healthy, he's going to be something close to a three down back here for Baltimore. But again, you know, Hill has looked good. We liked him coming out of Oklahoma State here, had the big measurables. So I think if something happens to Ingram, Hill, Hill would be a nice fantasy factor. I just don't know if he's going to get enough work behind Mark Ingram. Yeah, if you're a slave to handcuffs and you have Mark Ingram and you want to get his handcuff, I would go with Justice Hill as well. I agree that Justice Hill has all the time yeah. gone before I'm even considering him. So, And it's not even one of those that bothers me. I'm fine with somebody else having Justice Hill. Yeah, me too. Elsewhere among the Ravens, though, we got to do our Mark Andrews <laughs> update because Mark Andrews has played a whopping 11 of Lamar Jackson's 36 snaps through two preseason games. That is 30.6%. Those numbers, according to Graham Barfield of NFL.com, 
Uh, Jared, how many targets did Mark Andrews have in this past game against Green Bay? Uh, that would be zero against Green Bay. He also didn't see any targets on Lamar Jackson's six pass attempts in that first preseason game. Honestly, the, the, the lack of targets doesn't bother me, but the playing time does. Um, yeah, we already know this is a low volume passing game. And if Jackson or if Andrews is going to be on the field for, you know, a third of the snaps, that's definitely an issue. It, it, it's again, it's something to keep an eye on in this third preseason game to see if it's a trend. Because I think that third game is, you know, close to what we can expect when the regular season starts. And we've talked about other players where not playing a lot in a preseason game is a positive. But if Mark Andrews is playing this much, you know, he's playing a third of the snaps. It's not like they're just sitting him to save him for the regular season. So that's where I would look at this and say, this is a reason for you to be concerned if you're a Mark Andrews fan, as opposed to a reason to be happy that they're not playing him more. We saw three targets for Nick Boyle against the Packers. We saw two for Hayden Hurst, another for Hayden Hurst from Lamar Jackson in the first game. And all these targets that I'm mentioning are Lamar Jackson targets. We don't really care about backup quarterback targets at this point. The other five from the first preseason game went to wide out. So overall, that's three for Boyle, three for Hurst, zero for Andrews, even though he is playing along with those other guys. I think that Mark Andrews is a good receiver as well. I think that he can have a nice NFL career. I am not even slightly interested, though, in Mark Andrews for 2019 for exactly what's playing out right now. And I think this is one where you should be aware of the low usage and take it as a reason not to like Mark Andrews and draft. You know, and I, I was starting to come around on Andrews, you know, maybe not to the extent of you know how high his ADP is climbed, but he, you know, I had been starting to come around on him. Even now, basically every, you know, practice report you read out of Baltimore is that Andrews is like the best receiver. He has the best rapport with Lamar Jackson, which makes this usage, you know, kind of even more head scratching. But yeah, at this point it's pretty easy to just avoid him at his ADP. If he was going, you know, five, six spots later, it'd be you know more of a dilemma for me. I will take Kyle Rudolph straight up. I'll take Jimmy Graham straight up. Yeah. It, maybe if we get into this third preseason game and Mark Andrews plays like, you know, two thirds of the Lamar Jackson snaps and he right. leads the team in targets in that amount of playing time, then maybe I'll be like, okay, they were saving him for this and they were just kind of uh, you know, not showcasing him early on, but short of that, I'm I'm totally off. Yeah, the, the issue is Hayden Hurst because I mean Nick Boyle is more of a blocking tight end. He's going to be on the field for Andrews to you know do what people are expecting. He needs to out snap Hayden Hurst by a comfortable margin. Whereas right now they're basically playing the same amount of snaps. Yes, uh, and before we get away from Baltimore, that wide receiver core, we got Marquise Brown, who John Harbaugh said this week has quote a ways to go. That's not shocking. We're talking about a rookie wide receiver coming off a end-of-career foot injury that limited his pre-draft work. It kept him out of the off-season program, and it has limited him to start the summer. So I came into this year expecting it to be kind of a lost Marquise Brown season, mm-hmm. taking him maybe on a few best ball rosters, but I'm not at all interested for a lineup setting team. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't imagine us using any Ravens wide receivers in season-long fantasy lineups to open the season. I do think, you know, Miles Boykin has has showed well in training camp. He's probably going to open the year in a starting role. And then Willie Sneed, old old trusty, reliable Willie Sneed. Not exciting, but, you know, he's he, he, he might be the best bet among Ravens wide receivers for targets early on. Yeah, not a bet worth putting a lot of money into, nope. but maybe. Sam Darnold elsewhere looked good against the Falcons. Yeah. 9-12, 114 yards, one touchdown, zero picks through his two preseason games. 
you know, not, not only was he efficient, but you could see the arm strength. You yeah. can see the windows that he's throwing into. And we already like the talent that he has to work with at receiver. So overall, it's kind of making me wonder, should we be liking Sam Darnold more than we have to this point? Yeah, like you said, he's shown the arm. He's been accurate. He, he's shown, I think, his sneaky mobility too. Not so much as far as you know running, but just you know moving in the pocket and creating some extra time for himself to find guys. So I've been very impressed by Darnold. I'm pretty comfortable saying he's going to be a hit. You know, he, he's going to make it as an NFL starter. Maybe we should move him up the rankings a few spots. It's again a case of you know there just being so many quarterbacks that we like. Darnold, another guy though, I think he's okay if he's your quarterback one even he's a nice you know quarterback two for a best ball league and you know him looking good makes me more interested in just the other pieces in this just offense too yeah and I mean you know we always say wait on a quarterback and it's tougher at this point everybody's waiting on a quarterback but you can wait till the point where Sam Darnold and Nick Foles end up being your quarterbacks right. and you could still make out with that I would prefer Sam Darnold I think to Jimmy Garoppolo at this point because <laughs> Not only am I impressed with how Sam Darnold's playing, but I like his crew of receivers better than I like the Niners group at this point. Yeah, that's not crazy. I would say if we're talking about lineup setting leagues at this point, Darnold opens with the Bills, which isn't a matchup we like. Garoppolo gets the box. I'm not sure I'd feel great starting Garoppolo even in that matchup, and especially after we saw from Garoppolo last night. We'll talk about that here in a second here. But, um, you know, I, I don't like that week one matchup for Darnold. So, you know, he, he's probably not a guy I'd want to, you know, roll with as my quarterback one in a lineup setting league out of the gate. Yeah, and frankly, I haven't ended up with a team that has a starting quarterback from that level either. I would hope yeah. to have somebody better than Darnold or, or Garoppolo on my team. But if I'm choosing between those guys, I think that's my, my lean between them now. Darnold at least does help me feel comfier with some guys I already like. Robbie Anderson's fine in his range. Jamison Crowder has probably been the most intriguing to mm-hmm. me. And Ty Montgomery is somebody that I've been looking to add a little bit more late in drafts. Yeah, Crowder continues to go late. I've been taking him. Um, Quincy Anunua is going to be on the field like basically every snap for this offense. So Sam Darnold's run 23 snaps so far this preseason. Robbie Anderson and Quincy Anunua have played all 23, and then Jamison Crowder has played 21. So they're, you know, they're basically in three wide receiver sets as their base offense. And then Chris Herndon has also been on the field for all 23 of Sam Darnold's snaps this preseason. So again, you know, I think right right after Herndon's four-game suspension ends, you know, he, he might quickly jump into tight end one territory. If you grab a stud tight end early in an FFPC draft, then want to hit other positions for a while mm-hmm. and then stash Chris Herndon kind of late, he could be a big factor beyond his four game suspension. I believe that they have an early buy as well. So you basically have to go five weeks without him. But after that, I mean, he has top 12 potential at that position. Yeah, yeah for sure. He does. Elsewhere in the AFC East, Cole Beasley, 28.6% <laughs> target share with Josh Allen through two preseason games. Is Cole Beasley their wide receiver one? It's it's not out of their own possibility that he leads the team in targets. I mean, I, th- I think it's going to be either Beasley or John Brown. And I would honestly bet on Beasley leading the team in catches because he's going to be running those, you know, higher percentage short routes. Not an exciting guy, but, um, you know, late in your PPR draft, basketball or lineup setting, really. I mean, I think in basketball, he's the type of guy who just kind of, you know, lays like a 10-point floor for you when you need it. And in lineup setting leagues, you know, when we get into the bye weeks, I think Beasley might be a guy you can just plug in there and hope to get, you know, 10, 12 points out of him. Yeah, 10-point floor might be a little high. I think we're looking at maybe... Oh, yeah. Maybe like a 70-catch, 600-yard, two-touchdown season from Beasley. Yeah, I mean, I think he's going to give you a lot of, you know, four-catch, 45-yard performances. Yeah, I can see that. Devin Singletary, by the way, not play a whole lot with Josh Allen. Did get in, but they are also kind of alternating when LaShawn McCoy and Frank Gore play. LaShawn McCoy was the main running back with Josh Allen, though. 
Yeah, I mean, if McCoy's still on this roster come week one, he, he's he's going to open the season as a lead back. I still think Singletary, though, might cut into that and, you know, even for the second half of the season might end up, you know, taking over lead duties. And as I've said before, this is for me, this is not a backfield to fall in love with any one player. You just take one at some point because they're all going in the double digit rounds and there's really no bust potential, yeah. even if that guy doesn't do anything for you. Yeah, I probably need to start listening to the MVP board a bit more and drafting LaShawn McCoy in like the 12th round. There you go. Uh, James Washington performing well for the Steelers, but it's important to keep it in context of when he's playing, right? Yeah, so Dante Moncrief was the clear number two in this second preseason game. He played nine of the 14 snaps with the starters. Uh, James Washington played just one snap with the starters. Um, I think that was fourth among wide receivers. But I mean, yeah, he, he, he's been the team. He's been the Steelers best offensive player in each of the first two preseason games. So you sort of wonder you know, how much longer Pittsburgh can keep him out of the starting lineup if he keeps playing this well. Mark Caboli says that Dante Moncrief is still the, the clear number two, though, and that Mike, Mike Tomlin seems to be a big fan. So I can understand being a James Washington fan at this point. You can stash him if it's late enough, but I, I would be wary of hoping that he's going to deliver for you early in the season. And it's funny, too. It seems like, you know, the drafts I've done recently, Washington is still going ahead of Dante Moncrief. And, like, I mean, I get it. I mean, I, I, I like Washington better as a player, just what we you know saw from him coming out of Oklahoma State and then you know what we've seen from Moncrief. But it's like if Moncrief is going to be on the field and is the number two wide receiver, it's sort of tough to rank Washington ahead of Moncrief at this point. And then on to the Monday night action, Broncos against Niners. Jimmy Garoppolo was not terrific. One of six, zero yards, a pick on three series, and should have thrown a second one, Richard. Yeah, it should have been picked. It probably would have been a pick six if the DB didn't drop it. Um, his only completion was like a like a three-foot throw to Matt Breda. So it was about as ugly as it can get. Hopefully, I, I would assume the Niners are going to play him again in the third preseason game, try to you know, knock some more of that rust off. But again, I mean, we, we like that opening matchup at home for the Bucks, But if we don't see more from him in that third exhibition, it's going to be tough to trust him. Is it fair to say that Matt Breda is their number one receiver now? I mean, no one else is, so sure. <laughs> uh, 49ers running back snaps were you know predictably split between yeah. Tevin Coleman and Matt Breida yeah uh, five for Coleman four for Breida I think Breida's still going too late in drafts I think it's going to be closer to a 50-50 split yeah, maybe something like 60-40 out of the gate in favor of Tevin Coleman I have seen him go earlier in spots in the single digit rounds at times I wouldn't be surprised I would expect I would expect if you are drafting an FFPC or a similar big tournament. Expect Matt Breida to go late in the single digit rounds because he there will be somebody who's a fan and somebody who yep. uh, is chasing his potential path to touches that that's better than a lot of other running backs in that range. Yeah, and I, I think that's where he should be going, you know, ninth, mm-hmm. tenth round. Yeah, I agree. On the Broncos side, Emmanuel Sanders continues to impress, got back on the field for preseason action, uh, his first game action since that uh that torn Achilles tendon in practice last year and he caught a pass. Yeah. Caught a pass on the very first offensive snap. You know, I think Denver probably wanted to get the ball right in his hands. Did that. Um, had an end around, made a couple guys miss, took that for 19 yards. And then on uh, Denver's last possession with the starters, a uh, 45 yard catch downfield for Sanders that was negated by a holding penalty. You're not going to see that in the box score, but you know, go, go back and watch the game. And he, he beat his guy deep, caught a 45 yarder. So he, he looks healthy. He should be the number one wide receiver in Denver this season and is still going way too late in drafts. Yeah, I'm comfy with drafting him. I don't want his quarterback, but I'll take Emmanuel Sanders. Yep. And finally, you want to hit on the Broncos running back snaps for us? Yep, we had a three-way committee here with first-team offense with Joe Flacco. It was eight snaps for Philip Lindsay, seven for Royce Freeman, and then Devontae Booker still, you know, won't go away. He played four snaps in that one. So, you know, so, sort of what we've been, 
expecting, maybe even worse for Philip Lindsay, considering, you know, Devontae Booker is now playing, you know, 25% of the snaps or whatever. So um, it's still pretty much a situation I'm staying away from, if anything. Maybe Royce Freeman in like the 10th, 11th round, but you know, pr- probably a backfield to just avoid. Yeah, Devontae Booker has compromising pictures of somebody important there. <laughs> it's I, I, I keep getting to the point where Royce Freeman's still on the board too, and I'm like, should I take him? It seems like he could be a good value here, but it's just not a backfield I feel like I need to buy into. So yeah. I'm fine with just avoiding it though. Yeah, I think Royce Freeman makes more sense in non PPR leagues, and I don't think he's going to catch many passes this season, which hurts. But you know, he again, you know, it's it's possible he out carries Philip Lindsay this season. So if we're talking non PPR, he he makes more sense. He's like an RB three. Yeah, I agree with all that. You can find a lot more notes like that in Jared's preseason notes articles that are on the site. We got week one, week two up there. Jared, I'm sure you've got one coming for us for dress rehearsal week three, right? Oh yeah, you know it. Yeah. So that's going to do it for this edition of the podcast. Head over to DraftSharks.com to check out all the preseason notes. You should also, of course, check out our constantly updated rankings. That includes a move up for Emmanuel Sanders just today. We are also posting our positional strategy guides all this week. Quarterbacks hit the site Monday. Running backs took the ball today. Receivers coming Wednesday. And, of course, the one that everybody's really waiting for, IDPs coming Thursday along with the tight ends. You can also find us on Twitter at DraftSharks. You should go ahead and submit your questions there for Thursday's Mailbag Podcast. Uh, you can find Jared at SmolaDS. You can find me at ShaufDS. It's S-C-H-A-U-F. For Jared Smola and the rest of the DraftSharks crew, I'm Matt Shaf saying thanks so much for swimming with us. Thanks.